Welcome back, everyone, to the third Jets episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. I'm John Malika with my co-host, Alex. Today, we'll be talking about the Jets coming back to Florham Park. Our biggest weaknesses are the pass catchers. We'll get into that. We'll talk about our draft capital and the impact of the cancel slash shortened NCAA football season. And then we'll definitely get into our second quarter of our way too early predictions for the 2020 season. Alex, what do we have up for et cetera today? What's going on, John? So for et cetera today, we're going to talk about three necessities that we need for the pandemic. We're going to just, we're just going to try and keep a light for today. And then of course, more New York Yankee news. All right. <laughs> some good news and some bad news. All right, Ricey, let's go. Jets episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. My name is John Malika, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Terrace. What's good, Alex? What's going on, John? How are you doing today? Good, man. Alex is joining us from a little mini vacation he's got. Tell us, tell us where you are, Alex. So I'm in my new recording studio. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you uh, wish. Yeah, right? Now, here in uh, Martha's Vineyard for the week, need a nice, long, relaxing vacation after COVID really impacted. I was supposed to go to Panama this year, man, for a wedding, Dominique and I, and COVID just ruined everything. So haven't been able to take a vacation at all this year. And this is the first vacation that we're taking. And so it feels great. I like woke up at, I usually wake up around like seven o'clock, but I've been waking up around like 8.30, which is sleeping in for me. And it just feels great. Cool, man. That's good. That's good. I have a I have have a COVID uh, vacation that got postponed from the summer. I had some uh, Euro tickets for the, some soccer games, and now I'll get moved to next summer. I got a winter trip hopefully coming up, so I'm ho- hoping to get to your level soon, man. <laughs> but you know who's back from vacation, dude? Who's back from vacation? The New York Jets. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fir- the first they're back at Florida Park, and they had their first. Uh, Dress rehearsal, kind of, uh, training camp. Uh, I think pads start tomorrow on Monday. Sounds like uh, Yesterday for this podcast, uh, if you're li- when you're listening. Um, they look sloppy, though. They kind of look like uh, they're on vacation still. So should I think, should I not be excited about this uh, one Jets drive propaganda then? Is this, uh, is this getting us all too amped for the reality that may ha- be happening, John? What's going on here? What, what should uh, I be expecting? Oh uh, no! One Jets drive episode two, man. If if you if you guys missed out, it's some nice Sam Darnold propaganda, which I could I could just watch that all day. That's fine. Some Sam Richard Darnold, give me that all night and all day. Absolutely, that, that video was actually a lot of fun, man. I actually uh, I enjoyed that one. It makes me feel really good about Sam Darnold um, and just like how competitive he is, and and that he's and that he's younger than Joe Burrow. And he's younger than Joe Burrow, but it. <laughs> I like the mentality that it shows, right? It, the good thing that you see from this is like the mentality. And I guess for Sam Darnold to know that he's in there taking it seriously every single day, it's great because I feel like some quarterbacks that we've had in the past just kind of like go through the motions or they don't take it as seriously. And it seems like he's taking it to that. I'm guessing I'm going to say like 
Tom Brady ish level where it seems like where he's just like oh god really hard. don't even say that don't I even know. say that right now don't even say that but don't even say that I guess that that's just uh because I just watched it and it got me. He looks like a professional. He, he, he looks like a professional, which which, uh, which sounds like what you're saying. Yeah, and we just we just don't know what a professional looks like. All we have is either not professional or Tom Brady. But like there is a <laughs> middle ground, <laughs> right? And and I and I and I really do think that honestly, Big Ben, if you could just be Big Ben. Oh my God! You know what I'm saying? Like early Big Ben, right now. Like you know what I'm saying? Early like Big Ben, and and that's and that's uh, like that's what I'm catching off this. He has. Uh, the offensive line is uh, respecting him right now. There's some adults in the room, some big guys. We'll get into them in a little bit. Uh, the offensive coordinator is, and honestly, the veteran running backs like Gore and Bell, and they're they're, they're talking up Darnold a little bit right now, more than the rah rah. Oh, he's going to be great. We're so happy to have him. You know, not that nonsense, but it's more like uh, he's commanding the room. He's actually commanding the offense. Uh, I was reading a little bit about uh, how he's he's been correcting Gase and uh, uh, Logan's, the offensive coordinator. That's um, good. So yeah, so he's like you know he's become. I mean, he's becoming a man in honestly in real life. He's becoming a man. He's still he's still a young dude at the end of the day, and sure. also he's he's becoming a man at work. Uh, you know, and 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 he's commanding his room, which is kind of cool because you know Flacco was there too. You know. Oh. It's a great, no, it's great because when you start to hear that Sam Darnold is growing into becoming that adult to taking this as like a true professional job, that's what you want to hear, right? He's a young guy too. He's 21, 22 years old, right? Is he around that age? Yeah, I'm yeah. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. So it's such a young age. Like think about when you're 21 and you graduated and you got your first job, you know, you took it seriously, but you still wanted to go out, hang out, party and do that type of stuff. And, you know, uh, or is he 23? Is he 23? Yeah, he's 23. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I was listening. Okay. It is 23. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway, so no, I'm sorry. I just needed to get the age right. It's just like, he's 23 and he, he, he's, he's you're right like I I definitely see what you're saying he's a young guy when we were 23 we had no idea what was happening in our life and then by the time he's 21 22 and now 23 he's he's being tasked to take on a football team like I totally see what you're saying you know what I mean and he's finally blossoming yeah and I think because not a lot of people take the job seriously like some of them treat it as like a luxury and not really as a full-time job and to see that he's treating like a full-time job even hearing what palmer was talking about in the video how he just is working even after he won the rose bowl his freshman year right as a redshirt freshman and then you hear him say oh you know i have a chance to become something legit people are talking about me what do i gotta do this off season and then the next day after calling palmer he's in the office doing work and that gives me some reassurance about darnold being able to take the next step. I don't know if it's going to be this season, but I know at least he's going to work to be a better quarterback. And we've seen the glimpses of him being that good quarterback last year, right? On that six and two stretch, even his rookie season, we see that he can extend the play. He can make the big passes. He can make the right reads. Um, even last year, the turnovers dropped when he came back. He wasn't turning the ball over that much. And he was making incredible plays, you know? Uh, I just remember watching against like the Giants or Oakland, he made some like significant passes, man, just like downfield, like hitting Robbie Anderson, like in the pocket. Uh, you see it, man. He's making those, he's making that progression 
And that's just what you want to see from a young quarterback. And it's good to, and reassuring to hear in that video that he's going about it the right way. At the same time, as I always got to say, this is propaganda. So we can't take 100%. it. We can't get too hyped about it. We can't take it to like the extreme where it's like we expect now to be like uh, this elite level quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. But, but that, at least what we know is that he's taking it seriously. And that's all I want to see is a player that takes it seriously. And especially at the most important position, which is quarterback. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And I definitely feel that his the mono last year definitely has forced him to grow up. Um, it's definitely made him take this offseason seriously. Uh, and I think he's taking this training camp seriously. And I think he's all business. And I think he, I think he might have had a little bit of arrogance in him. Okay, he's always been the best his whole life. And, you know, he's going to New York. He's going to take care of it. You know, the media is not going to be an issue. No problem. You know, I'm even keeled kind of guy. That's, but, you know, he, every time he would go out, there'd be an article in the post. So, you know, he, he, I, I, I think he kind of matured and he's like, okay, I, I kind of get it now. Um, and to be honest with you, at, at this juncture, like stepping in today when he showed up to work, he is, he almost has to be an adult. Because he has flat, he has Adam Gase fighting for his, almost, honestly, his NFL coaching future, not just for the Jets, but in general. Because if he doesn't do well, he's not going to get a head coaching job out of here. He's going to get a coordinator job out of here. Okay, so, sure. he know, so he knows that. Um, so Gase is fighting for his life. He has Flacco waiting right behind who wants to rejuvenate his career. Okay. And then he has Frank Gore, who is, you know, on his last licks, let's call it for his career. And he's trying to put in that work. He's not coming here to play around. Le'Veon Bell is in the best shape. And then let's get into it, man. The offensive line. We got some big boys, right? We have some adults like McGovern, him talking, him commanding the room is, is, is a delight, man. It's just, it's honestly just so, I think he is the most important person. Uh, and not one of the most important people in our locker room, man. And then we have the rookie Becton. That's the next episode. You, <laughs> I, know, but I know, but have you, I mean, have, have you, have you seen just the, the reactions from everyone just talking about Becton, just his stature? I, I hear that everyone's been like enamored with like how big he is, how fast he is, how strong he is for his size. So I don't know if it's, I, it's probably more in that, but that's kind of the glimpse that I'm getting from him, which you know, for your left tackle, that sounds amazing. You, the, right? You want the dude who's going to be able to bulldoze anybody and protect Sam's blind side during any game. Um, that's what I get, and that's kind of like watering it down. But everyone's been super ecstatic about this dude, and it seems like he's coming in ready to work and prove that he's really good uh, at what he's going to do. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it next week. We'll get into it next week. I'm just we. Uh, I guess the point is. Uh, like with Font and with you know with the with the veteran guards that we have, I guess the Sam Darnold has to be an adult in the room for sure. Which, I, yeah, he, he's the quarterback, man. How can he not be the adult? Like that's your leader. If your quarterback's not the leader, what are we doing here? Right? Like it's fine when you're the rookie, and it's fine when you're the sophomore. Your third year in the league, right? You got a rookie contract that goes. Is it four or five years that he's got? you have to show that you're about to be that guy, be the guy of the team. You're now the face of the franchise. Uh, whether you like, whether you like it or not, you're the quarterback. You're going to be the face of the franchise. You gotta, you gotta earn your keep. And he has to be that adult, you know, 
we won't mention the guy who used to be the face of the franchise mm-hmm. on a certain defense. He, the, <laughs> but you know, after he left, now he's the defa- he's definitely not only the de facto, but is now the guy because he's also the quarterback. And we we I won't say we coddled Sam for two years. It wasn't necessarily a coddle, but there was a protection of him for the first two years because he's so young. Now he's in his third year. Now there's no excuse. You know, it, you can't like. Obviously, you can't control things like Mono, but this is the this is his, this is the pivotal point for him to show who he is. And you know, we're getting all these videos. Everyone's getting hyped. Everyone wants to see it, and he has to be that adult, just to come, plain and simple. Yeah, I agree. Um, but since you mentioned it, what do you think about uh, thirty three? And uh, the Greg Williams comments on uh, our former player. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> so I those, those of you who haven't heard it, uh, Greg Williams. The uh, honestly, he's you must be he's loving not, he's, it. He's, he's he's a mini he's he's a mini Rex Ryan. Okay, for Jets fans who are familiar with our you know our PR, <laughs> and he likes to he likes to get in the headlines. Right, he was talking about the headlines when we were trying to get Jamal Adams, saying we have to sign him. Blah blah blah, and now that he's gone, he's uh, on record shaming Pete Carroll and his defensive schemes, and uh, saying that Jamal Adams is going to get bored in the Seattle scheme. Alex, tell us what you think about it. I find it. I think the gossip is just hilarious at this point uh, <laughs> yeah. because Pete Carroll responded, um, and Jamal, and Jamal, but I. So. I find it like is it, is it just boxing? Is it just boxing promo for week fourteen? I think it's boxing promo for week fourteen. Okay, that's what I'm I think. Answer. I think uh, look, I think he was displayed more in the defense, but at the same time, and I like as much as like we get annoyed with this dude. There's a reality too, is that he is a really good player. He's a really good strong safety. Ed, when you have a really good player, you're going to feature him. You know, I don't necessarily pay attention to the Seahawks defense to see if they, you know promote like their best players you know you can go back to the Revis comments right back in the day or even recently during the offseason where he's like Richard Sherman or even during the Super Bowl Richard Sherman is a uh one side corner he's not like me who follows the receiver yeah. like mm-hmm. so would you say Rex Ryan featured Revis absolutely is Richard Sherman featured that's debatable because you know like it yes, for a corner featured yeah, you think Richard even Sherman even is in featured? a cover? Yeah, even in a cover. Yeah, so even in his own, he is featured. So not just a regular guy. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's just boxing. I think it's just these guys like going back and forth. There, Greg Williams is definitely, you know, he's not like thrilled that Adams is gone, but this is his way of doing uh, a little jab. Yeah, a little jab. And then yeah. P. Carroll's P. Carroll has to stand up for his guys as usual. But he's the player's coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some coaches. And so is Greg Williams, by the way. Because, yeah, absolutely. But, mm-hmm. you know, if this was like uh, Billy B up in mm-hmm. New England, uh, he probably would even, he'd probably like do some like crazy or not even crazy, some like low key response like, well, you know, uh, we're going to utilize uh, whoever the best of our ability. And uh, yeah, you know, he's a very good player, came from a very good organization. And that's what he would do. But, Carol is the but same. We, we, but we love bulletin material. We love giving teams bulletin board material. You know who that's loves, the typical Jets. You know who loves the bulletin material? The Daily News and the New York Post. So they get something, right? True. But honestly, we, we we're, everyone's always so quick to take down Gase. 
he's been pretty good, uh, at least in the interviews in general, but in at least in this training camp so far, he's been pretty self-aware. He already came out and criticized himself uh, for the way he treated Le'Veon Bell last year. He finally changed his tone on Bell, and it kind of made me f- feel that he, maybe he had a point last year. Bell came out of shape after a year off, just hanging out. You know, maybe he did come out of shape, and that's why Gase was mad about his contract and the running back, and he was kind of giving him jabs in the media, you know, to us, like, oh, you know, kind of being lax, lax about him. And it turns out he loves him, okay? And the third thing I'll say about Gase, he is talking to the defense, <laughs> okay? I, I, he, he said that he had a sloppy first day, and he took accountability for it, and I saw him talking to the defense, and they actually reported on that too. So I feel like he's also maturing. And he also is growing up and he, he, he's, he's realizing that he has to really earn his keep. I mean, it's all of it sounds good. Right. So, exactly. and I'm going to be honest with you or like, well, you already know, I'm going to be honest with everyone who's listening right now. I'm not the biggest Gase fan. I know there's a lot of people who are not the biggest Gase fan out there. I was not thrilled when we hired him. I was optimistic after we hired him thinking that he learned from his previous mistakes, that he was ready to take that next step last season you know, not having a second or your third string quarterback ready didn't really bode well for me. Second yeah. half of the season, we went six and two. You had to listen to Sam Darnold, who had to go into his office, which good part on Sam saying, hey, these are the things I like to write, like to run. This is what I'm more comfortable with. And you got to give it to Sam for doing that. And you also got to give credit for Gase to listening and accepting that and then drawing up the playbook. My issue with that is that he's also the coach and he's supposed to be aware of it and not just stick to a a playbook and a a script. And that's what he likes to do. As we know, one of his biggest weaknesses, especially when it comes out of like halftime, is that there's no adjustments. We see that he likes to go with the same type of plays, the same type of script that he has, and he likes to just go down. He he can't work off the fly and get the team going off the fly. I'll give I'll give him this. First year with the Jets, first with their like a little lackluster roster. So maybe he couldn't do a lot. This is his second year. He's got the same quarterback, a talented quarterback, right? He said that everyone's saying this is a talented quarterback, way better than Ryan Tannehill, and I'll agree with that. So now I got to see something from Gay. So it's all good talk. It's all stuff that you want to hear. I need to see it in action. Um, and that's, you know, that that's what it comes down to. If he can do it, I'll, I'll take everything back I said about Gase, and I'll give him, like, the credit where credit's due. But – I hope he's doing this is what you want from your coach. You want your coach to be like accepting uh, of feedback, uh, being able to change and be adaptable. That's what good leaders can do. Right. Do you remember watching hard knocks last year with, uh, or two years ago with, it was two years ago with uh, Hugh Jackson mm-hmm. for the Cleveland rounds. Yeah. Do you remember that issue that he had in the the conference room where he pretty much said, like, I'm the head coach. I make the final decisions. You guys haven't been here enough. Da, 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 da. That's how you know it's a bad head coach. A guy who can't yeah, listen. When he, bad, tell, when he has to tell you that he's, that he's the adult. When he's the adult in the room and that he's done it and he's seen it all. Okay, like, guess what? You haven't seen it all, no matter what level you get to. You have a lot of experience behind you. And you have, like, yes, you know more. And that's why you're in this position. But that doesn't mean you stop learning, you know. And I can. And I can even Bill. Yeah, even Bill. And I could kind of see that with Adam Gase and how he ran Miami and last year. So if he can change and he can learn, I'm all for it, man. I don't, I'm not, I don't want this dude to fail. 
he's coaching our team. I want him to win, but I also am realistic in seeing what he does. But it's good stuff to hear right now. I just need to see it play out. Uh, just because we have more evidence than not of how he ran Miami and last year. So it's good stuff, though. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell him that. If he's doing it and he's being legit, kudos to him. But what do you think? Are you like, are you like, I'm sure that you, I know you're probably happy. This is the stuff that you want to hear that Gase is doing. What I do you think? Like, I like, I like self-awareness that in general in life. Okay. I, I think, I think it's an important characteristic and quality in life. Uh, and I'm happy that he's displaying it. Like that's basically it. Uh, he's coming out. He doesn't have, he didn't have to talk about last year and that he messed up. He didn't have to talk about how he's going to, you know, treat the running back better. Uh, specific, you know, specifically Bell and how he's going to change up the scheme. Um, but the fact that he's talking about that, I mean, I feel like he he's not as dumb as anyone's making him seem. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. And so his tone is finally changing. And so I'm just optimistic about it. Um, yeah. And we're going to, and we'll get, and we'll get into uh, his pass catchers uh, and what he has to work with on offense. Cause we, you know, we got to be fair at some point, but before we jump into that, your, I mean, our biggest fear is starting to come true. Uh, your biggest worry with uh, with the fallout of the Jamal Adams trade is kind of coming true. The NCAA college football season is canceled slash shortened. Um, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 announced that they're going to postpone the season until the spring, which they don't even know if that's really going to happen. Big teams like Michigan, Ohio State, Stanford, USC – all these play, Wisconsin, all these guys, they don't know what's going to happen yet. Uh, but the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, which has, you know, the big guys, they're going to play. Um, okay. Which, of course, impacts the Jets because we got a couple first-round picks this year, a couple first-round picks next year. Um, what do you think, man? We got, But we got Joe Douglas. What do you think? How do you think this affects the Jets? I don't remember if we talked about this uh, on our first pod because I know that was the whole issue, but I know we definitely (laughs) went extensive offline about what the picks mean. And this is always a concern, right? When you make a trade and you're always, you're, you're, you're giving up a well-known, well-known asset for an unknown asset or unknown assets is that you just, you just don't know. You don't know who it's going to be. You don't know if that, player will translate into something useful or, you know, whatever. And a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. Yeah. And so when it comes to this, like it's, it's concerning because you don't know, but at the same time, every other team is going to be in the same situation. So I don't know. It's not like we're like, we're uh, there's, it's, there's two parts to it. It sucks that we like, we already know it sucks that we lost a, a good player, right? A good, great player, whatever. Of course, yeah. But we got good return. We got – for this year's draft, it's just going to be – it's just going to suck, man. Like, we're going to have less talent to evaluate from, like, it, to TBD. But it would it, – it is just the Jets' luck that we get a good return and now we can't utilize all of the assets that we got in a return. So, I, I it's hard to say I have – Faith, it's way too early to see. We don't have a full like disclosure of like what's happening. We only know mm-hmm. for two conferences, right? So it's hard to say. It's terrible if all if if we're talking about the entire college football just being wiped. Yikes! I think we might only have like three, four conferences max. Three are confirmed. 
Okay, but and like even that's too little because was you got two hundred some odd players that get drafted every year, and the pool is much larger than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. it's you know I'm I'm actually curious what does the NFL do with the draft. upcoming draft next year because of this. So that's the other thing: is the NFL going to be like? I wouldn't I wouldn't see them like knocking like the entire draft right it's it's still going to happen but maybe there's some sort of maybe there's some sort of way they work around it maybe they do lesser rounds maybe they you know they understand that every team who's made like i don't know i don't know but it's i don't say i don't it's not like doomsday yet so i'm just i'm just so sad about college football being shortened slash depleted It, it sucks for me personally as just a selfish uh, football fan and yeah. college football fan. It sucks for those players. Uh, it stinks for the universities. Okay. It, it, it stinks for prospective players coming out after them, but you know, it, it, it stinks for the NFL teams and their future product. It just sucks for everyone. I wish that they could like do some type of bubble on campus where they would like section off one side for all the D one athletes, not just football, all the fall athletes. Um, Cause they're already on campus, you know, all these Players are, you know, all the regular, normal students are getting into campus, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I just feel like they can seclude them, which athletes are always kind of secluded on campuses anyway. They are, but the issue is, like, especially when it comes to football or, like, even basketball, the season itself is it's much shorter than some of these other seasons. And, come on, like, let's be real. Like, if you're a college student, you think you're invincible. Like, you and I – thought we're invincible in college right not not if not if my not if not if sports are on the line you know when athletes do certain things because sports are on the line and every this is serious so if they tell you 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 have to stay in the bubble you know i'm saying you can't leave here all your classes are online and you're stuck here if in order to play football this year you know they're gonna do it they're gonna stay disciplined you know i'm saying or if if you don't you're out you know and then those programs could be canceled but i just think that you have to give them a shot like i think like the you know the mac conference which is already canceled you know, I got, I think those teams could, you know, Toledo football team could have got a shot to, you know, bubble and, and try it out, you know, and if, and if they didn't do it, then okay. But uh, okay. I just think that, I just think that even, even the MLB, the MLB was kind of being lackadaisical, the players at first, and then they right away were like, okay, we get it. The, the season's going to be canceled if, you know, if we continue. So I just wish that the college football, and I hope they do figure it out, but I just hope they come up with something similar. But I just, I think you hit the, I think you are so right, man. It's so typical for the Knicks and the Jets to have two first round picks in the year where the season's canceled. So the Knicks one's already coming up where there was no, you know, March Madness. We have two first round picks and now the Jets next year are going to have two first round picks and we don't know what's going to happen with the college season. It's just so typical, man. Like we finally make good trades. We finally do the right thing. It makes no sense, man. It's just, it's just the bad one. to me. It's just the bad luck. No, like it doesn't make sense. Like this, like whatever, like exterior, Turn like show that universe, this universe, like bindings, like we will now give you the first round pick in a year that it does not matter. <laughs> year that we don't know, every, like the top 10 all could be first round picks. We don't right? Know. No, that's just like, it's just like that, that part doesn't make sense. Am I not, am I surprised that it would happen to these teams? Absolutely not. It's, it's, it's just always in our luck. It's always in our, it's in, it's always in our, it's always in the possibility. It is written. Thing. It is written. It is written. So it shall be done. <laughs> exactly.
So let's dive into honestly what I think is going to be. We kind of we kind of talked about it last episode, but this is going to be easily our worst unit. It's a nightmare. The, the, the pass catchers, man. The pass it's, catchers on the Jets are going to be a nightmare. It's a nightmare right now, man. Uh, it, it start. It was like it was fine before right. I got the update today. Let's be positive. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Just to, we're going to be positive at first. Okay, we have Chris Herndon, who yeah. is who 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 could be an absolute beast, and uh, who Jameson Crowder actually compared to Jordan Reed recently, which is a pretty which is a pretty big compliment. I hope Jordan Reed without the injuries. Yeah, but honestly, Herndon's been not – he hasn't been really available either, so I'm really excited to have Herndon there. He's a good pass catcher. Okay, Me too. He's, he's – from the little bit that we've seen over these past two seasons – well, one season because he didn't even get to play last year. Uh, it's phenomenal. The dude, dude's got talent. I'm really excited that we actually have a good tight end because a certain tight end that we had in the past, Jace – I'm, I, I can't Amaro? Oh, Amaro. God. We'll get into him later. Jeez. I didn't think you have to talk about him twice today. God. But, yeah. No, I mean, that's what. That's the <laughs> last Keller? guy. Are we going to bring up Dustin Keller right now, too? He was good. That was, <laughs> he was actually good. <laughs> okay. So, and honestly, Ryan Griffin's good, too. Ryan Griffin is an uh, – an, I'm going to keep using this word. I guess that's a theme today. He's an adult tight end. Okay. He's, <laughs> he's really good. He can, We got adults I, in the room now. It's like the first time I, I, I feel like that. He could block. He can catch. He could run routes. Like, you know, he, he could bail out Sam Darnold. Okay. He, he did it last year. He, he, was could bail, he could bail out a, bl- a bad block, a missed block by a lineman. He could bail him out. You know what I mean? I, I really Absolutely. Do so next to him in the slot, we have the the super super consistent and our best receiver easily, Jameson Crowder. We just mentioned him before. Yeah. He's our he, he's I mean he's he's he is Sam Darnold's blanket. He's going to be our go to guy. He's going to dominate our receptions if he stays healthy. Pick him up in fantasy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially PPR. If you're doing a, a per. per uh, Play per perception league, you definitely should get Jameson Crowder. He's going to be eating up those five to seven yard catches on second down all day. Oh, yeah. And to close it off, another guy I think is going to be really, really good in fantasy. Um, and we'll get into it next week as to why specifically, but Le'Veon Bell, man. Le'Veon Bell, the offensive line, uh, I think he's in the. He's looking like he's in really good shape. He's motivated. He's had two years off, it feels like. <laughs> okay. Um, and yeah. he, and he, last time he played in 2017, man, he, he had an insane amount of scrimmage yards. Okay. Like he, it's not even, it's not even. Are you saying he's about to do his 2017 season all over again with the New York Jets? Okay. I'm not going to go that far, but I do think he's going to be futured that way. I do think we're going to actually try okay. to do I'll, that. I'll accept that. Like he's going to, I do, I, I could see a, a lot of the times him lining up in the back and then splitting out wide so that Darnold could read that defense. And I think that he's going to be perfectly fine on, on the line because we have depleted wide receivers. I think that's going to be his job. But I do think that Frank Gore behind this is going to help. Oh, Frank, okay. Frank Gore is going to help men. Apparently just doesn't age. He found the fountain. Yeah, I, think, I, I do think he's going to play some like kind of hybrid fullback. I really do think that where he's kind of playing fullback and he could either block or uh, – Bell could run out to the shanks out and Bell could, and Gore could block. I do think Gore is going to ram his head into, you know, for those one to three yard gains. Absolutely. That's why we brought Gore in. He's like 
well, not just only for his consistent uh, use, his consistent play in the backfield, even though it's not what it used to be when he was on the 49ers. He's a good backup for Le'Veon Bell, especially when he can grind out those short yardage gains, right? The, those one, two, max three yards that you really need, you can throw them in there, even though Le'Veon Bell can do it. But it's a good change of pace for Le'Veon Bell. Frank Gore is a very talented back. He still has a little bit more to give. I think this may be his after. He will, he is going to be a Hall of Famer. The dude's got the dude's. I forget where he is on like on the rushing yards, but the dude's the dude's great man. I I can't believe he can. He's still going for his age as a running back, which is just phenomenal. He's always in great shape, always ready to play. True professional. Got to love Frank Gore. Super excited about Frank Gore, man. I'm super excited about Frank Gore. Um. And well, we've, gonna, been, we've been sugarcoating it, man. We've been sugarcoating it, Alex, because we, we've been talking about these tight ends and these running backs and, well, you know, Jameson Crowder, the slot, who, who are going to help us in the red zone. But we have not really mentioned a wide receiver. Why well, is that? No, because, <laughs> man, we don't want to dive into something that's just so abysmal right now that we're pretty much second, sending out uh, second and third string to go out there. Like, they said – so, who is it? We got – we lost – well, we're not lost. The very Denzel definition was, of beating around the bush. We'll get there. All right, let's get there. Let's jump all right, into it. Denzel, okay, into you, it. You, we lost Denzel Mims to like a hamstring injury, which for a wide receiver, this is like the like almost the kiss of death. Like hamstring injuries and wide receivers, worst thing you can get because what do they do? They run and they need their hammies and he's a sprinter. So it's it's not it's not a good start. Especially Alex, where's your panic meter on Mims from one to ten? Tell us right now. Where's your panic meter on Mims? It's on a firm eight right now. Oh man! Okay. <laughs> because, dude, because he's he was supposed to be in the lineup. He's supposed to be like a talented wide receiver coming out of Baylor. Supposed to be, you know, potentially a one for us <laughs> to work with Darnold. Our wide receiver crew is 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 <laughs> is slim to begin with, and now you're telling us like the guy that like we're supposed to be excited about that we're going to rely on is now injured with a hamstring injury, which is like I said, the the kiss of, the kiss of death for a wide receiver almost. It's oh man, this is just it's it's ter- it's terrible. And then you know what would suck even more is that Vincent Smith, right? Then you get you see he needs uh, he's out because it was his abs right his abdominal a oh core muscle a core his injury core, which is core which honestly that's terrifying that's exactly what was going on with dude CJ it, last year dude and it's like this is not what you need to hear right now at the beginning of training camp and like we're already thin so now we're down to Brashad Perriman who I was like gonna be fine with like at the two because like he's similar to Robbie Anderson man like yeah you know like. Okay, fine. And then <laughs> now we got to rely on. Oh my God, I can't even. I can't. Even, who, who do you got? Who do we got to rely on, John? Why you tell me? Because I can't do this right now. <laughs> okay, all right. So to say, okay, to save Alex from his meltdown. Actually, okay, to save Alex from his meltdown. I, I mean, we signed Chris Hogan today. Okay, he's a veteran. He's uh... <laughs> in injury history. He's honestly a low risk medium max reward like i don't know like like i don't he's a this man this man has made a career in the afc east from going to the bills to the patriots he's gonna have some nice catches he'll have like two three touchdowns great yeah exactly okay and so i mean perryman uh perryman has been he had a phenomenal end of the year okay last season for the first time in his nfl career um and everybody's saying you know, with a grain of salt that he's been looking good right now with, with Zip, you know, uh, with him and 
Darnold, and they look like they have some chemistry working together, probably sneaking some practices, you know, all offseason, which could be some sort of advantage. I know it's not even training camp yet. We're kind of, you know, this OTA, you know, they're not even in pads yet. So, again, very, very small grain of salt. But that's looking okay. But I am so with you on the panic button for Mims. I'm not going to go an eight because it's a slight hammy issue again the day before we have pads. But oh, so where are you then? But I, I, if I have to get a number, I mean, oh, I'll say six, six and a half. I'll okay. go six and a half. Okay, like I'm scared because I'll tell you why, man. And it really doesn't. Have, it's kind of not fair. The, uh, so the the only thing that has to do with Mims, I I say, is because he's from Baylor and they don't really have a pro style offense. So there was already a learning curve. Okay, that was going to happen there. And even though he is tall and he's a red zone guy, there was going to be a learning curve. Okay, He wasn't going to just jump in and be, you know, the best wide receiver. Just you have to be realistic about it. So that plus the hammy issue scares me. But I'm going to tell you what really, really scares me. And it's really not his fault. Okay, Denzel Mims was a second round pick for the New York Jets. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) I know where you're going with this. This is okay. All right. Go ahead. The last second round pick for the New York Jets that was re-signed to a second contract was David Harris in 2007. The last second round pick that was decent for the Jets was Marcus May in 2017. Other than that, I'm going to read off some names that if you were mad about Mims, his hamstring injury, you honestly might have have an aneurysm. I'm about to be triggered. Okay. Vlad Dukas, Stephen Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Hill. Geno Smith, your boy, Jason Morrow, who has made two appearances on this episode today. Who would have thought? Yeah, who had that in bingo? Devin Smith, Christian Hackenberg, and then, as I mentioned it, Marcus May, and now he got Mims. So. I, I am infuriated off that list. <laughs> Yeah, so this is why we're excited about having Joe Douglas, of course, because we're hoping this doesn't happen again, but this is why I have literally zero percent confidence in our second round pick. It could be it could be anybody. We could like we could draft any we, single person you want second round, and I'm gonna look at him and be like, I don't. We I have no faith in you. We could have drafted uh, who? Literally anyone. I'm not joking. Anybody. Uh, literally yeah, real, anybody. Real anybody. Anybody. And I in the second round, and you put on a Jets uniform. Like, you have disadvantage. I'm sorry. There's just something about it. There's just something about it. I don't so, know where that came from, man. It's just so recent. It's so, just so recent. But I, I don't think it's going to be that situation, personally. Me neither. I, I, I'm I don't just think saying, it is. I'm just saying, so it's not fair. It's not but, fair to But no. that's why I'm just like, you know, a second-round pick, like I, I just assume, like, I, almost like a second-round pick is, like, garbage for us. Ha- we just ha- like throw it out. Hackenberg was, like, the creme de la creme of just, like, the worst thing. <laughs> like, he was not, he was not like, projected to go in the second round. No, oh, man. Devin Smith is getting touchdowns right now for Dallas last year. I'm, everything, everything hurts, man. Everything hurts. But oh my god, another oh god. I guess the I guess the the only the only guy um, on our offense that I guess maybe n- nobody has really talked about, but I'm actually I'm actually really excited. I'm actually really really excited about his name is Lawrence Cager. Yeah. No, he. He's got so based on his size and his intangibles, he's a he's a nice prospect. He's a nice find because he went undrafted, right? So he's a nice find for an undrafted guy. He's now going to have an opportunity uh, between <laughs> him, between Cager, Perriman, and who else? 
Who's the other? Who's the, it's on the tip of my tongue. Who's the third wide receiver we got? It's pretty much him. Those two and who else? Crowder. We just got. It's just it's yeah. honestly. It's honestly just Crowder and Perryman, and then we got the tight ends and Bell and and now Cager because it seems like Cager is going to slide right in, right? Well, we'll see. So for those of you who don't know who Lawrence Cager is, or probably never heard of him, he's six six two twenty. Uh, he's a four star recruit out of Maryland, undrafted wide receiver. The the really his biggest knock is his injury history. He tore his ACL. Uh, in the preseason of his sophomore year with the U, all right? And then he came back his junior year. He did okay, like 16 patches, 16 catches, three touchdowns. Um, senior year, he came back, played 12 games, 21 catches, led the team with six, tu- uh, six touchdowns, okay? Then he jumped to Georgia, and he was really Jake Fromm's guy, okay? He made him look good. Um, he really replaced three NFL guys, Terry Godwin, uh, Riley Ridley and Nicole Hardman. He replaced those guys in Georgia and he kind of held his own, but he was injured, man. Um, 36 catches, four touchdowns in six games. Um, Fromm's passing completion was up 20% with him on the field. Uh, their only regular season loss came in overtime after he got injured at halftime. He, he, he's pretty good. I mean, he, 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 he's definitely a huge liability on the for the defense when he's on the field, but for the teams, he seems like a huge liability to be available. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, because of those, that injury history, right? So you don't he know. Seems like, he seems like he could be a diamond in the rough, honestly, for an undrafted uh, wide receiver. To be honest with you, I really, really think that he could, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity for him, man. He, ha- he, he could literally be the, the wide receiver. You know, he could literally line up on the side. So if he's if he's healthy, he could be he could him and and Perryman and Mims, if they could do something with those two positions on the outside, you know, and maybe even do a couple of like sneaky gays, you know, end arounds or whatever it is, if they could, you know, hold their own, we could have a real team because I I, I kind of alluded to it, but I really think that we're going to turn into a young Steelers offense where we're not going to ask Darnold to sling it out to the wide receivers like Aaron Rodgers. Okay. We're going to take advantage of our offensive line in the trenches. We're going to ram it down everyone's throat with Bell and Frank Gore. Okay. We have, you know, Perron and Kevin Dixon back there too. We have some running backs. Okay. We we're I think we're going to run the ball a lot and that's how we have all those guys. We have decent tight ends. We're going to throw to them. We got the possession slot receivers in Hogan and Jameson Crowder, right? I don't think we're going to be th- we're going to be going out deep, like you know, if only to stretch as a decoy, like with Perryman, like yo, just run straight, man. Take he's that the, safety. He's, <laughs> the, he's the only he's the only burner we got. So, and I agree with you. I think we're going to be using like a lot of we're going to utilize Le'Veon Bell a lot. We're going to be doing a lot of underneath, utilizing Crowder, Bell or using our tight ends, doing like some, doing some seam routes, doing hooks, doing hitches, doing all those type of plays or route running because we don't have the guys to necessarily go deep except for Perryman. If we had Mims, I would say maybe we can go and try to stretch the field a little bit more, but until Mims comes back and even when he comes back, right, he still has to get acclimated to that playbook, but it's going to be tough, man. But you know who I also forgot? Uh, another wide receiver that we got uh, in Berrios. the mix here. Who? Berrios? No, uh, Jeff Smith. Okay. Yeah, so what I do mean, you think? 
What do you think about Jeff Smith? Do you think uh, he's going to be starting? Or do you no, think we're going to be I mean, doing? if he makes the team, I'll be, I'll be shocked. Because was he on the team last year? He was on the team last year, right? No? No. Okay. Or what, what team? Or I might be thinking of someone else. Yeah, I'm not sure. He definitely was not on, he definitely was not on our starting uh, squad last year. Okay. Um, but I know he's another one that's rumored out there to be maybe swatted into the starting lineup for the depleted wide receiver crew that we have right now. So I would rather see, you know, and we have Barrios, uh, like yeah. at the end. We have we have we always we always have those number four number. We have like the best number four and number five wide receivers in the league. Right? We have them all. We have all yeah. the number four, number five, number six receivers. We have those on lock. I'm not worried about. I I just want to say I'd like to see Cager out there. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he's really he's really the guy that I'm staring at right now. Vincent Smith was like was there, but this core injury, honestly, that like he's I'm out. You know, he he, he probably needs a year. Okay, core injury is tough, man. In football, he's just tough. I just—he's not going to be a hundred percent. No, it's true. Like we saw it with CJ last year, right? But I don't so know. So I—I I, I think that I think that I get our new project, and who I'm really excited about is Cager. That—that's who I'm going to say to keep our eyes on. Yeah, for sure. And I was gonna—I was gonna say that. Like I was gonna agree, and I agree with you. That's the guy that we got to watch out for. Hopefully, he could trend, like change into something. You know, we're still looking for—we haven't had a solid wide receiving core since Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker now. Um, oh, God. So we've just been run of the mill of guys for this, for this time. Um, but this is really sad, man. You know, this, and this is where you said it to earlier on in the pod where, you know, you got to give a little bit of like leeway for Gates and now even more so for Sam based on the weapons that you have, right? Because we don't really have our full wide receiver core. This is, you know, we got Perriman and Crowder, but, you know, this is exactly the same thing we're working with last year, you know, except it's that Perryman we had uh, Robbie Anderson. So, yeah, man, and Gase is going to have to shine, man. Gase is going to have to scheme to what he has, to his strengths. I think we're going to be a ground and pound. Ground um, and pound, really? You think it's going to be uh, 60% running? Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and like 25% short passes and gimmicks. And, oh. and the rest will be uh, like seven to 12 yard throws. I don't, I really don't think anything's going to go beyond. That. I think Sam couldn't do it. And I think that the plays that will be 12 yards or over uh, will be, will not be drawn up. It will be on the fly. Sam Darnold running to the side and making plays. I don't okay. think it's going to be drawn up uh, that way. Wow. Or I think it's going to be bell making something out of nothing or, Using his blocking. Honestly, blocking for the New York Jets this year is going to be the number one most important thing for them. It's not going to be – they're not going to kill people with their talent. They're not going to kill people with their skill. They're going to kill people with their schemes. So yeah. if, if we could scheme well, if we can block well, if we could scheme the defense well, you know, the trenches, if we could use Sam Darnold's strength and not start, you know, expect – whoever we have at wide receiver to just start doing like 12 yard posts, you know, on number two corners in the NFL, you know, like real guys, then I think we'll self-awareness, man. Adam Gase, he he seems to be self-aware of our offense, of what he has. And that, that gives me that little slight optimism. Okay. I think because you pointed it out and I don't want to like keep beating this topic, but of the wide receiver core, just don't want to keep beating it. Um, 
But if we have a good offensive line that's able to give Donald protection and create time for him to get off passes, then I can actually see us starting to do something deep, depending on the talent. That's where it's like you got to be halfway. If like we get the blocking and these guys can do some decent route running and get that separation on the defensive backs and find the open space, then I can actually see us doing some uh, doing some like deep passes, um, you know, going above 12 yards, doing something 15, 20. I don't think it's going to be a lot, as you said. I don't think we have the talent to necessarily do that. But it, 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 it comes down to how well our line is, how well Sam is going to be this year, and how well the wide receivers can play, the guys that we got. And as of right now, we don't have a high expectation for them. But who knows? Who knows? I'm always, I'm always willing to be surprised. I'd like to find our Victor Cruz or one of those guys that's just like goes undrafted and becomes like, a, you know, a quote unquote savior. But we'll see, man. It's only a wait. It's a wait and see at this point. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up uh, how we're looking with the squad right now, and I. I think we both had the Jets going two and two in the first quarter of last season, the first four games. That is correct. All right. So let's jump into the second quarter of the season. So week five, we're looking at Cardinals at Jets. Where do you go? Where are you going with that, Alex? Oh, by the way, just so everyone knows, this is our second quarter of way too early predictions, just so that we, uh, we clarify what we're doing right now. Um, Cardinals at Jets. This is interesting. I will say, because I I would want the Jets to win this one because Darnold is supposed to be more polished than uh, Kyler Murray. At the same time, Cardinals, they're going to be sneaky this year, man. They're going to be sneaky good this year, I feel like. So I see this one. I see this one as an L, man. I don't, I don't like. I had the I had the Broncos. I had the Broncos winning last week, and I just think I know the Cardinals are coming in town. They're the West Coast team, uh, and we have no fans. That whole stuff. But I just see. So I just don't. Something about this game just doesn't feel right for me. Just something that we're we don't even know about the Cardinals yet, and they're going to come in and it's not. It's going to be a close one, but I see it. I see the Cardinals just squeaking one out. What do you got them going? Yeah, I mean, so we're kind of opposite on these two. So I have us beating the Broncos, and then I'm I'm also on the Cardinals bandwagon this year. Um, yeah. I love their offense. Uh, D Hop is there. I think they're going to be great. I think we're going to have a really hard time guarding them, but I think we're going to be too much in the trenches for them uh, on both sides of the ball. And I do think that we're going to come out with this W. Okay. Um, I think this is going to be like one of our most important stretches of our season because we have one of the hardest schedules, right? And I do think this little stretch we have right here with the Colts uh, and the Broncos uh, and the Cardinals. And Those then are we, the games. Yeah, we have to win. We have, you know, we have to do something here. If we're going to have a good season, these are the games that they got to win because the latter half of the season, in my opinion, is going to be really, really rough. Yeah, it gets really bad last year. Uh, and it gets really bad towards the end. And we saw after what happened last year, the beginning really sets the tone. It sets the tone for the – honestly, for your inside your locker room, for the narrative, for the media, and honestly, the narrative for, like, your family and your friends, okay? Like, you can't be – when you're 0-4, okay, like, think about how much it stinks for you and me as a Jets fan 
right? Normally at work or, you know, with our friends, think about what it's like for them, right? As players, like they're getting, you know, it just sucks. Like your morale stinks, like going into work is Absolutely. awful. You have no confidence. Absolutely. No, like, I, and I can, you know, I played on a team back in high school and I could tell you that we didn't have a good start and we didn't have a good season in general. We only won two games, but morale was low when you're not winning, man. It's not good. No one feels good. No one wants to show up. No one wants to be there. Um, you got to get these. You got to get these wins early, man. At least go two and two. You at least got to go two and two, or end the beginning of the quarter with one win to like keep it moving. You know what I mean? Something. Okay, so I have us at three and two. You have us at two and three, and then yeah. we go to the West Coast to the LA Chargers, the new and improved LA Chargers with that. Healthy defense, at least on paper right now, and Tyrod Taylor running the show with Melvin Gordon gone. Where do you where do you see the Jets doing here on this the West a, Coast? This is a W. Okay, I got that too, man. I got, which is rare because Jets on the West Coast no, it's never a, a W. It's rare, but the thing is that the Chargers. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Something goes wrong with that team, um, and especially, you know, this is the game I want to go there with my boys uh, and go watch the Jets play because this is a this is a this is a stadium where it's home field for everybody for every visiting team. Yeah, we go um, there twice this year too. I know. Go against a tougher team though, in my opinion. Um eh, I, I honest to God, I, I'm I'm more worried about this game than the Rams game. Okay. I see us getting this one though. I see us getting the W on this one. This is gonna be a close this is gonna be another close game. Um uh, yeah, I just see it. I just see it. I don't see Tyrod because we 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 already know what Tyrod can do. We played him enough. On our side, um, yeah, we got and we got the defense for it. We got the defense. We've stopped him before. I don't see it. Like he's got good weapons out there, but I don't see the Chargers being able to do it. All right, so we're in agreement there, and that leaves me at four and two, and you have the team at two and four. Three. Three and four. Three and four. Okay. Then Bills at Jets, which will be our second game versus them. And we both had them winning week one, if I believe. That is correct. correct. So what do you got for this one? We are losing this one. Same. <laughs> We're definitely going to split. We're going to split. And the reason yeah. being is that I don't care if there's fans or not. Under Dar- With Darnold so far, we win when we're away and we lose when we're home. So I expect us to keep that trend going to lose at home. See, That's I just- do think the fans are going to change that because I do think that uh, – Speaking as someone who goes to lots of Jets games, it's loud, man. When the Pittsburgh is here, when the Dolphins are here, when the Bills are here, it's loud. Okay, it's loud. Um, so we're—I mean, we like to make fun of teams like the Chargers and whatnot, but we're not that far off, man. We're way closer to the Chargers than we are to the Chiefs, for example, home home field. Which, guess what? That's where we'll be going the week after, straight to Arrowhead. Yeah. Which with no with no fans, that's a huge that's a huge advantage. Honestly, that's a huge advantage for us. But there's no chance we're getting that W. That's another. That's a that's an easy L. It's an advantage. And yeah. If, if we're gonna put this on a percentage scale, if it was like at zero, because we were not gonna win going into Harrowhead with fans, that was at zero percent. What's your okay? One percent. Okay. What's your prediction on the spread? This one. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this game's going to be... We're going to come back and look at this when it's time, but you're making it seem like it's going to be insane. What's the spread? Uh, I just see us going... I see this game... <laughs> I see this game being like 30, like 6 to 21 type of game. 
Okay. I, 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 I see I see a maximum of a ten and a half spread. Okay. I could I could see it being seven and a half. Yeah. Easy. I don't think it's gonna be that crazy. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think I, it is gonna be that crazy. Here's the thing. Pat Mahomes is on that side. Tyreek Hill is on that side. Our secondary is going to be like we already discussed this. Our, our secondary is going to be middle of the pack. If that, that's 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 yeah. that's that's, yeah. that's that's looking that's being optimistic for our secondary. Mm. You know, they got Tyreek Hill. You got Patrick Mahomes. That whole that whole team, man. And I forget every I forget all the wide receivers, but they got a lot of speedsters on the team. You know, it's it's tough, man. We our corners are not like they're not. They don't have the catch-up speed as like a Darrell Revis, you know what I mean? We're gonna, you're gonna tell me they're gonna keep up with all these guys, and then on top of that, Patrick Mahomes can just extend the play, run around, do whatever he wants. You got Travis Kelsey, who we have to, like, we have good linebackers, but our linebackers are not solid in pass coverage. So you're gonna have Travis Kelsey you're gonna have a good day too. Yeah, I mean, to keep it fair, this is the way too early predictions, right? So. I mean, it definitely makes sense. You, I can't. You, it's hard to imagine, right, that we would lose, that we yeah. would beat the Chiefs, right? But I mean, I, I do think that we're going to keep it in the ball game. I don't think the spread's going to be that crazy. I think we're going to okay. be fine. I think that we do step up for these types of games, and especially with no fans, I think that we're really going to have an advantage as the New York Jets when we're going to these big places, these big stadiums against these juggernauts. So we're, you know, we're taking them super serious and we're preparing and we're scheming, you know, uh, for certain things and there's no fans. <laughs> okay. I, I think that not only does it make it neutral, I think it kind of gives a boost to the away fans. Like, yo, we can do this. You know what I mean? Like when people go into Seattle and there's no fans, they're going to be like, yo, we should win this game. You know what I mean? Like they're not, it's, it's, it's just a different, you almost like have momentum coming in. But Seattle is a different team. Seattle is a team that I, in my opinion, plays with a lot of momentum, just the way that it feels every single time. The magician, what, man. The magician and Russell Wilson is just crazy, dude. Like they'll be down like 20 points. Next thing you know, they're up like by seven. You're like, where did this come from? Kansas city. They're not, they're just an offensive juggernaut, man. It is just hard to stop. We saw that. Like, we saw, like, a good defensive team in the Super Bowl, and you hope that the Chiefs have, like, a Super Bowl slump, right? Like, that hangover. But it's hard to think that if they were able to come back and win against the 49ers who have a top-tier defense, that the Jets can come in here and then, like, hold them without fans. I think they're still going to get hyped, man, without fans or not. Chiefs are, like, a team I would not – I don't think the the fans like they add to it. You know what I mean? Like if they're playing at a hundred percent, a hundred and twenty percent is coming for the fans. For uh, Seattle, if they're playing at eighty, they get to a hundred with the fans. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I agree with you. It's an L, but I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, just just keeping it real. There is there is a ninety five percent chance I'm taking the jet spread that game, and there's a. chance I'm taking the Jets money line that game. I don't think it's going to be as crazy as you're making it seem, but it's an L. Okay. So what do you, what do you have your record at right now through, through eight games, which is half the, uh, which is half the season. So I got three wins and five losses. Okay. And you got, you got, I'm at 500. You have four and four. I'm at four and four. So honestly, if we could start four and four, I'll be ecstatic. Oh, we're great. We're in great shape then. We're yeah, in great so, shape over four and four, which is honestly that, that's a pretty low that's a pretty low bar. I say low to average bar 
it's a low, it's a low, it's a low bar, but the reality is that our defense is going to be fine, even with our secondary, who I think will like. I know I said it's optimistic for them to be a middling, like around like a 15 ranked pass defense. I think they'll be there. Okay. Like, I think we'll be, it's not like, yes, we lost like the guy over to Seattle, but we're going to be fine because we got McDougald, who's just as a, who's a competent safety. We're not going too far out of there, but offensively to keep in games, we don't have the wide receivers, especially if we're starting off like this. We don't know how long Mims is going to be out for. We don't have Vincent Smith. Perriman had a nice end of the season last year. Like, very, very nice. You know, great. I think he was going like 100, like he had 100 receiving yards per like game or something like that for the last like five, six games, something along those lines with like a touchdown. Yeah, great hot streak. I don't know. I mean, football's not one on the edges, right? It's one in the trenches. So I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I also don't think that we're done I, I for the offseason. I don't think Joe Douglas has done making transactions. I think that there's been a, a couple hints here and there. Uh, I'm not going to bring light to them, but there's been some hints for them. Some, uh, are, you th- are you thinking Antonio Brown is coming to town? Oh, no, no, no. I, I cannot see Adam Gase putting anybody with that type of personality in that locker room. Right now, he has to be the king, um, and he's not going to do anything to Darnold. I just think that there is a wide receiver out there um, that's not Chris Hogan. I'm excited to see what Chris Hogan can do. Okay, he he he's he is going to have important possessions for us on a third down and a fourth down in the red zone. He he, he is going to surprise us. Okay, um, he's probably going to help some of our guys um, become better players. I'm sure. For sure. But that's not. But that's not. But that's not. That's not. That's not what's going to make or break our season. So. Yes, the pass catchers right now are not are not giving us the most optimism in the world, but I do think there's room for growth. I think that's fine, and I think that's a fair point to end our Jets segment on. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, there are. I mean, there's optimism, and then it's it's just clouded around the big ball of reality and pessimism, and that's that's just the the life of being a Jets fan. Very true, especially when it comes to having, but it seems like no wide receivers. Yeah, so let's also up to et cetera, man. What do we got, Alex? Well, before we hit et cetera, let's hear a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, and we're back. So for today's et cetera, we decided to lighten it up and talk about things that were necessities that we needed during this pandemic because I think it would be a nice way. We've been talking about a lot of football, talking about a lot of basketball between our podcasts. So why not go off the, the beaten path? Let's go on to the, let's go off road for a little bit and do something a little fun, a little out of the norm. So John, we're going to discuss today the three key things that we needed to make through <laughs> this pandemic. So being the gracious guy that I am, you get to go first and, uh, let me hear what you got to let me hear what you needed to get through this pandemic when it all started, even up to this point. All right. I'm going to go generic first. I'm going to go my laptop. Okay. All right. I've been, I've been pretty very bland, uh, but I like it very bland, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to take that first. I've been pretty lucky to be able to work from home. Um, so I've been able to work from home. I've been able to watch Korean baseball. 
So that's been fantastic from you, my from my laptop. I was not expecting that. You've been watching Korean baseball. Yeah, man. So that's definitely one of the biggest uh we- weirdest things I did in the beginning of this pandemic. I was all over the DC Dinos when we didn't have any sports, we didn't have any baseball. Who uh, are you? What? Yeah, man. Were you yeah. uh, were you betting on Korean baseball? One thousand percent. I was murdering on the DC rid- Dinos. You are ridiculous. <laughs> what is going on? You were betting on Korean. This is how I know. This is how I know you were really desperate for some sports. Oh my god, you were betting on the. Oh my god. Yeah, because I'd have to wake up. Because I'd have to wake up for. I'd be signing in at like six six thirty, and it's just in my house on my on this laptop, right? So I'd wake up, and then. I either check it here or on the TV, ESPN had like a game a day and it would be like from five to six, like from four to seven. And I would just turn it on. It'd be fantastic. And I just signed into work after it was was awesome. I had my morning coffee, some sports. There was nothing else going on. It was either I listened to, you know, the the news would just recapped Cuomo and Trump's press conferences or turn on some Korean baseball. I mean, that's a fair point. Uh, I, that's a fair point. I was not expecting to hear you go Korean baseball. So wait, did they have the did they have the cardboard cutout fans, or was it Japanese baseball that had? No, it was Korean. We did everything off Korean baseball, man. Literally oh everything was based off them. Did you see the? Did you see? Was it Japanese or Korean baseball that had the the Boston Dynamic? Uh, robots just doing dancing and cheerleading in the background. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. First of all, if I see that, first of all, that just scares <laughs> the living daylights out of me. And the fact that, oh my God, the fact that we even have those type of robots that can just dance and move that type of way and do backflips and whatnot, it's, look, man, I saw, I saw iRobot, Love Will Smith, terrified. Still can't get over that you watched Korean baseball, though. How was that? Where was DC Dinos, man? So is, that your te- is that your team now? Is the DC Dinos your team? Yeah, I mean, I stopped watching them once, like real sports, like started creeping back in. But hell, yeah, I, I don't even—I haven't seen what they were doing. But they were murdering. They did not lose a game for a while. They—they they were like actually murdering. My God! Yeah, it was fantastic. So, what, 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 what do you got for for your, one of your top necessities? My top necessity definitely had to be PlayStation. Uh, okay. Okay. Warzone came out. Uh, me and my boys, we've been just playing that, especially like once the weekend comes, like we get up early in the morning, just start running some Call of Duty, uh, Shake and Bake Baby. That's our clan tag name. <laughs> that it's uh, a lot of fun, man. I, I, you know, I, I love video games, but like I usually play basketball. I usually play basketball a lot before this entire thing started. We play like three, four, three, four times a week, roughly around three times a week, and. It was just a fix at this point. I just needed to do something to take my mind off. And that's the release I had. So definitely PlayStation's up there. And uh, like I was playing it this morning too for a little bit. I just love it, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it just takes me back to the days of like being in college and playing Call of Duty and just like uh, a lot of fun, man. Just a lot of fun. But I'll, I'll stay on that. I'll stay on that. I'll stay on that same topic because I was one of those people who contributed to the uh nintendo switch drought actually l- like literally the, oh the, okay yeah the the day uh was it march 16th or something like that something um, around that time yeah i work in the bronx um and that was like the day we you know we were sent home i i literally went to the city and found uh like one of the last nintendo switches at a GameStop. pulled in like when everyone's freaking out like 
you know, like peak, peak Corona in New York City. Oh, um, God. And like, but nobody knew anything yet. Like, we, Nothing was closing yet. We were still like in limbo. Like some things were closing, some things not yet. Like we still weren't sure. Um, and I picked one up and especially for the beginning, they had like, they had the, so, they had some Sega, they had some like uh, a Sega game, a Sega game with a bunch of Sega games on it. Okay. So that was cool. So I'll get to that. And I played oh, some old Mario, some, okay. you know, some Super Smash in there too. So what have you been playing on your Switch? That's what I'm saying. So some of those games. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So like the Super Smash, I was playing for a while, but I can't like really play online because like we've missed the boat on that. The kids are just wait, like whoever plays the game is just unreal. So you could kind of just play like online. Um, the, this, the Mario Odyssey reminds me of some Super Mario 64. So when we were like, you know, April quarantine, I was like getting into that for a little, you know, some, some of those old Sega classic games they had one of those uh, emulators that had like 30 old Sega games. So I was getting into like Shinobi, you know, okay. like, you know you some Ze- of the old ones. Did you get Zelda? Honestly, man, I, I I was more of a Mario guy and not a Zelda or a Mario guy, so nobody freaks out at me. But I'm, yeah, uh, Zelda wasn't my Zelda wasn't my thing. I'm hurt. <laughs> I know, dude. Honestly, if I can remember one thing from childhood, it's playing Super Mario sixty four and have and having Nelly Country Grammar album just running in the back. That was like one of the first CDs wow. I had, and I would just have wow. that. Like, like even like some songs like literally trigger episodes for me. Like, my God. Yeah, they like have like you know those correlation where you just like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In the you, you're just you, like wow this reminds me of literally Super Mario sixty four absolutely no there's we all have those songs that once you flick it on it takes you to that time period of your life you know I'll dude I, I I'm the same way I'll I'll throw on some like Lupe Fiasco uh the cool album and I'll tra- like transport back to freshman year of like at Albany and it's it just takes you back man I feel like everyone has to probably be, everyone goes through that uh that music like time portal whatever it is that you listen to and you go back what's what's your, what was what's your second one man what's the second one that you uh that you needed during this time period in quarantine so i'll say i mean i guess i'll just stick with the with this theme uh music i recently oh no that was so, no that was the that was the, the switch one. oh so you're saying i'm sorry so i uh, it, it's my turn to go that yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry sorry i got sorry. the switch yeah yeah oh yeah so you had your laptop and the switch i had playstation yeah, yeah. um my second thing whew, Watching The Wire, man. Oh, man. I never yeah. watched The Wire. Oh, my God. I only heard great things. Dude, you got to watch it. You got to watch The Wire. That, so, I have a hard time starting a show with has like an extended amount of seasons already just staring at me in the face. It's, it's it feels long. like a large textbook. It's, it is like a large textbook, and it's long. And season <laughs> yeah. one, season one, man, like it lays the foundation for everything that you got to like follow through for all the other seasons, but it's just so good. Once you get to season, like once you get halfway through season one, like you're hooked. Season two is like the one that they say is, eh, could have probably done, not necessarily done without, but like it's people's least favorite season. But Dominique and I just, we crushed it, man. We crushed, cause we started it. So what happened was when, when I was in, when I was in school, we started it, but then we, we had this, bad propensity to keep binging shows late at night and the next thing you know it's like midnight or one in the morning and then you're exhausted the next day and so we had to stop that we put a pause to that after the end of season two and then we picked up with season three like so that was a couple years ago like three years ago we stopped and like Mm -hmm. just remembered it we picked it up back again okay straight from there and 
straight from season three. And then we crushed it because we had nothing else to do. It's like, you don't have to commute. You're not going anywhere. You're just logging in, logging off. And like, for me, I don't need, like, if I get seven hours of sleep, that's good for me. So just crush it, go to bed late and then wake up. Like we, we go like through two, three episodes a night. And then the last one we really binge, like we didn't go to bed until like 2 AM. That was, but it's so worth it, man. That show is so worth it. I highly recommend it. I don't want to tell you anything like more about it, but if you love a good drug and just work like the politics, the corruption, everything. It's good. I heard it's, it's good. a great series, man. You definitely got to check it out. HBO max all the way, especially if you're, if, if your folks got like a HBO subscription, just, get their login account and just like <laughs> I'll get right in, man. It's definitely worth it. So that's yeah. my, that's the second thing that we needed. And now we can go back to you. What's the third thing that you needed? So I guess the third thing I, uh, I picked up uh, a little bit of a hiking hobby. Um, nice. like a, uh, so I guess my hiking boots, um, I, I even went so far as to get a season pass to uh, one of the mountains called the Mohonk preserve. Uh, okay. up, up a little up north, up in New Paltz, uh, like an hour and a half north from the city, um, which is kind of cool. They have all these trails. It was really the only thing opened um, from March to May. Like literally the only thing I can do that, that was not being in my house or, you know, with people was to like go on these hikes. I knew the weather was getting nice. So I was craving being outside anyway. And that's, I think, what was really killing me inside. It was like, oh, it's spring. We're supposed to be outside. But there was no, nowhere to go and couldn't be around people. So I've been doing some, uh, some pretty cool uh, hikes down some really cool mountains around here. Been getting in better shape because of it. How dare you? You've been going on cool hikes. You don't have an Instagram and you're not posting any of these photos, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I know, man. I know. I've been, I even bought a GoPro and I've been like taking you some really GoPro cool pictures. Too? Oh, my God. And then, and then my, my family, like I'd be like putting in my family group chest. They're like, what are you doing? Like, we like, why don't you post this? I'm like, I don't know. Here, it's for you. <laughs> you, know? you should be, I need to see this, man. I love hiking. Hiking is a lot of fun, um, especially upstate New York. Well, I'll say this. New Poles is not, it's Southern New York still for all you people from the city that call, especially because I'm from Westchester. New Paltz is definitely upstate. Stop right now. You stop it. New Paltz is exit 18 on the New York Thruway. It is upstate New York. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We Look, they call Albany central New York. Above okay, that is obviously a, upstate New York. Yes, it is up. We go up the state to get there. As long as we can. Uh, Westchester's basically upstate New York, man. Just stop. Okay. <laughs> Enough with the slander. I'm sorry, everyone. We have, to, we, have, we have to cancel this podcast now because there's too much slander on Westchester. <laughs> oh, my God. But I'll keep it in the same realm with you with hiking. Um, something that Dominique and I started doing when this all happened just to get out, we started walking three miles a day after work. Um, and, Solid. and at the time, we were living in Cambridge, and there was – just no one around, dude, because you have Harvard, you have Leslie, you have all these colleges and universities in the area. And so the Cambridge is a big city, like sprawled out wise. Um, to give everyone like an idea of Boston, the po- the population size is 600,000. Cambridge is 150, but it, it fluctuates with the students. So once the students left because of COVID, 
no one was around. It was it was destitute. It, it looked like there was just there was just no one there. We'd walk outside and we'd have like the entire city to ourselves. It felt like like people would cross the street and you'd see no one in front of you for miles. Really weird feeling, man. Really weird feeling. But we were able to utilize that, especially when you didn't know how severe the you know the the illnesses or or just the virus, I should say. And we were just able to go on long walks, man. We do three mile walks every day to keep our sanity. We did it every single day. And then we'd, we'd switch it up on the, on the weekend and go by this pond, fresh pond in Cambridge. And it was really nice, man. So we definitely did that to, to survive and just keep ourselves grounded and sane. Loved it, man. Just walked so much more than like, I, and that's the one thing I love about living in a city is that you get to walk, right? Didn't do, I can't, couldn't do that community to work, but having that opportunity, oh my God, it was such a great feeling. I just never wanted to. I, n- I would never want to like spend my Saturday like going and going like driving around to go on a hike somewhere. But because I'm just I've been cooped up and really there's nothing else, I have been craving it. And like we get into the habit and it becomes a hobby and we start looking for more peaks. And you know, I've done hikes here and there. Like I went to Yosemite, I've done this, I've done Oregon, oh, nice. I've done Washington a little bit. So you know, I'm but now I'm like going to sign up for you know the half dome in March you know, because I'm like super into it now. And it's like, you know, becoming more of a hobby than it is uh, a sort of like recreational once every couple of months type deal. Yeah, for sure. And hiking is a great activity, man. Love hiking, love walking. You know, there's great places to go hiking in New York. Harriman State Park. I don't know if you've been there too. That one's really cool. Uh, you, you probably done Bear Mountain, which is like the well-known like area to go to. Catskills. When, when we were in Albany, man, I used to... The Catskills and the Adirondacks, beautiful, man. Yeah, Thatcher, beautiful. Too, Thatcher Park up there is a really mm-hmm. good, nice little spot. It has, like, hikes for, you know, everyone. So that was cool. I used to do, like, the beginner ones up there when I was in college. That's cool. For sure. There's actually a trail that I want to see, which is um, – Indian we, Trail? Uh, I don't know if uh, it's – not the – no, not the Indian Trail. Uh, but there's one where they actually, like, redid train tracks, so now you can actually, like, pedal up and down it. I forget the name of it, but it's really cool. New York State, like – Utilize like upstate? these old tra- yeah, upstate. Oh, um, not the Highline, obviously, in the city. No, not the Highline. Oh, okay. It's it's up somewhere like around like I think it's further like than the Albany area, but I forget. But nice, man, nice. Well, we just wanted to share this little aspect of like our lives, what we did, so the people know out there. Hopefully, we gave you either some ideas or you know maybe you can connect with us on another level. And, like here, like what we like to do besides just talk sports every single day. But now, getting back to sports. And the only yeah. thing that only thing that keeps us sane in our lives. The only thing that keeps lives. us sane and happy, the New York Yankees, baby, and they're actually playing the Boston Red Sox and creaming them. Nothing makes me happier. You love to see it. Yeah, I mean, in the series they are. Right now it's uh it's still uh still a one run game. Uh and it, but it's JA Hap's pitching day. So if the, the fact that we're up and JA Hap's pitching, even though it is against the worst team in the league, the the Boston Red Sox. It's uh, I'm, it's a real feel good right now. It feels like we're up by twenty. I know, and like the rivalry is like so real. And so when we are able to beat this team, but you know what? It's you know what makes me feel even better. These guys also got caught cheating, and now they suck. Just like oh, the Astros. Wait a minute, you guys needed to cheat to be good. I mean, I mean, the Yankees are implicated a little bit here, so I'm, I'm not gonna get it. I'm not gonna get too far into it. Hey, man, guess what? We're still doing well. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I, I mean, Alex Cora is gone. Um, they have no chemistry. The Red Sox are terrible. They're 
literally awful to watch. I just they just tried to field uh, a, a soft ground ball by Gleyber Torres to first base. Just just looks horrible. They can't do it. Um, well, I guess we should. But we but we're burying the lead, man. We're burying the Yankees' lead because there is a dark, dark cloud over this offense right now. I was about to go in that direction. You beat me to it. It hurts. LeMahieu. LeMahieu, Judge, Stanton. What is going on? Didn't we hire a new? Didn't we hire a new medical staff? What is going on? Do, do, do we? What? Ha- <laughs> you know, I, I just don't get this. I really just don't get this. I really. What is? Well, I the- mean, they're all they're all different situations, right? The Stanton one is is the recurring situation, and that's a little bit of that's a little bit of a concern, right? The Aaron Judge thing, man. It's well, he said he could come back today and play. He said he was 100%. It's becoming so interesting. And I don't, we, don't, we don't have to delve too deep into it, but Aaron Judge, he's going to be 31 after his arbitration, man. And the way things are going with his injuries, and even though he's literally murdering the stats every time he actually steps into the plate, he does get into slumps. And so it does, it does average out at the end. And the Yankees are ruthless in arbitration and they're, they're going to be really ruthless towards him. And when he eventually becomes 31, I don't think he's going to get that super mega contract. Like everyone's expecting. I think he's, I think at best, he's just going to get the captain. He's going to become the Yankees captain and that's going to be his compensation rather than really it being monetary. Um, and it's really scary, man. He, he has this on and off injury and, I'm not going to totally blame him for this because he has been really recovering all year and this Corona thing has been a blessing for him and he's been able to get healthy. But I think what this, the really big problem here is Aaron Boone and Aaron Boone, the glorified players manager tried to kind of like put some icing on it for us. Right. Took him out of the game when something looked like something was wrong with him. And then he said, Oh, just took him out for, you know, rest. And then the next game all for rest. And then he moved the press conference, and now he's on the DL. You know what I mean? So, and and now you're, and now as you just mentioned, Aaron Judge just said he's healthy; he could play. It's so, all really weird, man. It's all really weird. There's, we don't know. We're not getting the full story, and scares the hell out of me. Literally, it scares the hell out of me. And I get, and I agree with you. We don't have to go too deep, but I feel like you're right. I feel like you're just going to be right with the uh, the Judge situation. You can't pay a guy who has injury concerns because. You know, it's great when he's there because he can perform. He does go into the slumps, but even when you go into slumps, like it's all about getting the, the sport of baseball is all about even all sports, right? It's about getting hot at the right time. So we all know players get into slumps. You just hope it's not at the wrong time. So I don't see that being the major issue. Injury is definitely the issue. And he gets injured, unfortunately, a lot. So, yeah. you know, so it's, I, I, it's I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay. I really do think he's going to be okay. But I'm concerned, man, and especially, but especially because DJ is now joining them with his, his, you know, his slight hand injury. But we do have guys, man. We do have Clint Frazier, who's, who's killing, right? We do have Talkman, who has been talking the talk to keep it corny. Um, I'm glad Gardy's still getting at bats. Tyler Wade is now in the lineup. Uh, Miggy Andujar is now coming up. How do you feel about Andujar being uh, called back up? I think that it's really hard for him to get into a groove when he doesn't have a real spot in the lineup, doesn't have a real spot on the baseball field and the defense. 
And he also doesn't really have a spot on the roster. He's just coming up and down, right? And they don't have minor league baseball. So this alternative site that they keep citing, you know, that everyone's coming. What is that? What is this alternative site? They're not playing minor league baseball. Maybe they're having like weird simulated underground games. But like, you know, it's not real. So it's hard for me to expect Miggy to just come up here and start killing. But Clint Frazier did it. So, and Clint Frazier didn't ever had a spot either. So really, uh, I'm not giving Miggy excuses. It's his, it's his time to shine. Uh, yes, he doesn't have a spot, but right now he does. DJ is injured. Okay. And it's a pretty big, it's a pretty juicy spot to fill. Okay. Like it, it's, it's right there. For sure. So, and this is, this is his opportunity to show that he can be in starting lineup, right? That he can play, as you said, um, Frazier just comes back and he's ready to go. So it can't be the simulated games, right? It has to be, it has to be Andujar and whatever he's doing to get ready to come play. So maybe he has to change whatever he's doing so that he can be ready, game time ready, because you can't have Frazier coming back unless Frazier's just some sort of like animal who's just like apparently ready on the go anytime. Frazier, Frazier's here to stay. I don't yeah. see Frazier ever. Frazier cannot leave this lineup. I need a Frazier. I need Aaron Hicks to be in the outfield forever. And then Aaron Judge. So I think I think those are my three. I think Aaron Hicks in the middle, who I like to call him Hicksie. And honestly, I've been calling him, he's he's Bernie Williams, man. To me, he's been our Bernie Williams in the making. From day one, he reminds me of switch hitter, uh, center fielder, uh, makes big plays. Oh, man, that home run when I was there last year. Oh, just beautiful in the playoffs. Good cop. Good cop. Like oh, it. man. So, I mean, Hicksie in the middle, Aaron Judge on the right, Clint Frazier on the left. That, to me, is our future. You know, I like all the other guys. They're cool. But that, to me, is our uh, our future. I agree. And with that, that's it. That's uh, that's the end of our et cetera. That's the end of this Jets podcast. Thanks for hanging in there with us, guys. Uh, we hope you liked our Jets portion. We hope you stuck around and enjoyed our etc portion yeah and make sure to tune in next week when we got the new Knicks episode episode three dropping this week so once again as john said thank you for listening to us and please make sure to tune into the next Knicks episode have a good one everyone like subscribe unsubscribe subscribe leave a comment let's go jeff peace